Hi, this is Alex, and you're watching Horizon Church Online. The other day I was talking to a guy at Starbucks and we got into a spiritual conversation and we started to talk about prayer and how God answers prayer. And as we kept talking and started talking about how God just abundantly gives us more than what we even know we're asking for when we pray. And I began sharing with him about my job as a pastor and as a, how I'm starting a church. And he said something to me that I hear a lot up here. He goes, hey, hey, uh, I'm not very religious. And it's almost like they have to give me uh, this little warning sign like, hey, just so you know, I'll talk about these things, but I'm not religious. And I think, though, if we look at how the Bible defines being religious, we might surprise some people who don't think they're religious that they actually are. And we'll probably surprise a lot of people who consider themselves very religious and according to the biblical definition, they're probably not. Do you remember that movie, the classic film, The Princess Bride? And the, the one character in there is, uh, every time the hero, the man in black, is coming after him, he just keeps saying, inconceivable, inconceivable, over and over and over again. And finally, um, Indigo says to him, I don't think that word means what you think it means. That's exactly what happens sometimes with this word religious. We have a way of defining that in North America that's not biblical. And we're going to look at today how James defines the word religious, and he ties it very much into practical Christianity. We many times think of someone as religious as they're always over there at the church, they're at every function over at the church, they spend all their time at that church building, or they're very pious and holier than thou art. But the Bible, James, describes religious as something completely different. And so we're going to dig in here to James chapter 1, um, starting in verse 19. And it says this, My dear brothers and sisters, understand this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger. For human anger does not accomplish God's righteousness. Therefore, rid yourself of all moral filth and evil that is so prevalent. Humbly receive the implanted word which is able to save your souls, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, because then you deceive yourself. Because if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like someone looking at his own face in a mirror. For he looks at himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of person he was. But the one who looks intently into the perfect law of freedom and perseveres in it, and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer who works, this person will be blessed in what he does. If anyone thinks he is religious without controlling his tongue, his religion is useless and he deceives himself. Pure and undefiled religion before God the Father is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself unstained from the world. So we're just going to break this down here because James is in full practical Christianity mode here and he's just shooting some big truth bombs at us. Back in verse 19, he starts out and he says, My dear brothers and sisters, you need to understand this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Does that define the North American Christian church? I think if we're honest, we'd say no. In fact, most of the time, the North American Christian church is slow to listen, quick to speak, and quick to get angry. 
If you look around at you know, sermons or at what churches are doing and what they're saying, most of the time they're talking at people instead of listening to people. Um, they can't stop talking. They're always quick to jump in and they're getting angry over stuff. Like somehow that's going to produce what they want to produce in, or what God wants to produce in the world. We need to slow down and take time to actually hear people. When we build trust with people, then they're willing to listen to what we have to say. If we're just a shouting head, we're just part of the noise, it's lost on people. We need to build trust with people, and then people will listen to us. And that starts by listening to people first. And then we need to be slow to get angry. And he gives us a reason for this in verse 20. He says, human anger does not accomplish God's righteousness. The will of God, the purposes of God, are not produced by angry Christians. See, Jesus' plan to reach people is not to protest. Jesus' plan to reach people is not to pass laws. Jesus' plans to reach people is not to post on social media. See, Jesus has a simple plan to reach people. He died on a cross in our place for our wrongdoings so that everyone who calls out on the name of Jesus Christ will be saved. Jesus wants to redeem people through a relationship with himself. And that doesn't happen by us getting mad and yelling at people who are doing things that are contrary to God's word. You know, I think sometimes we look at this and we forget that we're all equally in need of the cross of Jesus Christ. See, sometimes we use worldly means to try to accomplish godly purposes. We don't produce godly purposes through worldly means. Anger is a worldly mean. We're going to produce change in our country, not by getting the right people into office, but rather by building relationships with people and let Jesus Christ change the desires of their heart from the inside out. And he builds upon this in verse 21. He says, therefore, rid yourself of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent. What's moral filth? We know what filth is, right? What's moral filth? Moral filth is self-righteousness. It's thinking that you're better than other people, that you've got it all together. It reminds us of that biblical age-old truth. We're all equally in need of grace. We're all equally in need of the cross. Your sins may look different. There may be different consequences, but we're all sinners. We all need Jesus. None of us need Jesus a little bit less. None of us need Jesus a little bit more. We all need Jesus. And he says the danger is we get angry at other people because we begin to think that we are morally superior. And so what James is warning here is he's saying, you know what? Your tendency is to start to think, hey, I'm a little bit better than these other people and start to look down on them. He says, that's not righteousness. He says, that's not what it means to be spiritually mature. That's not what it means to be religious. In fact, he warns that it is moral filth. It is evil. See, I sometimes think that we forget that self-righteousness is one of the blackest, darkest sins. We start looking at other th sins and think, that's the worst sin. Self-righteousness is the worst sin. Look down at verse 22 as he continues. He says, we need to be doers of the word and not hearers only, or otherwise we deceive ourselves. He's continuing this thought about self-righteousness. He says, when you know a lot about God, but you don't look like God, he says, you're deceiving yourself by thinking you're spiritually mature. Spiritually mature people are not people who know all the right theology. They're people who live and love like Jesus. 
If you don't treat people like Jesus treated them, you're not spiritually mature. You're not religious. You know, we all know those religious people who are always at church, they're at every function, they know all these Bible verses they're spouting all the time, but they treat other people like garbage. James says, you're not spiritually mature. You're not even religious. You're self-righteous, and that's moral filth. Remember how Jesus acted when he was here in this world? In Matthew eleven nineteen, it says that Jesus ate with the tax collectors and the sinners. And they were actually condemning him for this. And they, they were like, you have meals with people who we don't even want to be seen with. And Jesus is like, yeah, that's the way I operate. Jesus said, if I didn't have meals with sinners, I wouldn't eat with anybody, right? Jesus recognized that everybody equally needed him the same, the religious elites and the worst person, the farthest away from God. And so if we want to treat people like Jesus, because that's what it truly means to be religious, to be spiritually mature, we need to eat with people who don't talk like us, who don't look like us, who don't believe like us, because that's the way Jesus operated. And as we're working through the book by Michael Frost, Surprise the World, one of the things he talks about is three times a week, eat with people. Have meals with people because it builds trust and helps you build a relationship. Listen to people as you share a meal. Builds that community so that they're open to actually hear what you believe without you getting angry or yelling at them. Treat them like Jesus treated people. In his challenge, he encourages us to have these three meals a week with people. And uh, he said, you can have them in your home, you can have them out. And he says, make one of them somebody in the church, and then make two of them people who don't go to church with you, who are unchurched or far away from God. And use it as an opportunity to build relationships with people who don't look like you and don't act like you, because that's how Jesus acted towards people. James gives us an example here in verses 23 and 24. He says, because if anyone is only a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like someone looking at his own face in a mirror. For he looks at himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of person he was. Um, I'm going to flash up a picture on the screen right now. So you just saw a picture of me when I was maybe in first or second grade, maybe third grade, somewhere in there. And uh, I'm not sure about that exact date, but I thought I looked really good in that outfit. That's a ridiculous outfit. Now, I went out thinking that, man, I really have the it together. Have you ever seen any, someone wearing something and you thought, they looked in the mirror, right? Or maybe you look in the mirror and then later on you look back at that picture and you're like, what was I thinking? I look like a doofus. You know, like what in the world was going on? What James is telling us is you look like that picture when you start to think you look really good. When you start to think, I spiritually have it together, I'm religious, I'm sp spiritually mature, I can look down on these other people who haven't arrived yet. He says, what you're doing is, you're like that ridiculous outfit I was wearing, and you think, man, I look really good. He says, in a little while, you're going to be able to look back on that and be like, wow, I looked horrible. That was awful. I looked in the mirror, but I didn't see myself for what I really looked like. And he says, that's what happens when we start to think that we are spiritually superior, that we are pious, we are religious. In verse 25, it says, But the one who looks intently into the perfect law of freedom and perseveres in it, and is not a forgetful hearer but a doer who works, this person will be blessed in what he does. We are blessed. We experience a deeper, more richer, more fuller experience with God not when we read about God, not when we learn about God, but when we live out 
our lives in a way that reflects what God teaches and how Jesus lived and loved. See, the blessing, this fuller experience with God doesn't happen when you just read your Bible. God didn't give you a Bible so that you could just read it and learn more about him. He wants you to look more like him. He wants you to reflect him in the way that you treat people, the way you talk about people. The way you speak to people and speak about people is the best spiritual indicator of your spiritual growth. You know, if you want to know whether or not you are spiritually mature, look at the way you talk about people. And this ties right into verse 26 where he says, If anyone thinks he is religious without controlling his tongue, his religion is useless and he deceives himself. You know, I talked about this earlier in the message, right? We all know those super spiritual religious people who know all the Bible verses and know everybody who's doing something wrong and they just know everything there is to know about the Bible and God and they're always at church or church activities, but they're just jerks to people. They tear people down. They're always criticizing or complaining about other people. They're always talking bad about people. They're rude to people. They go up to people and they're like, oh, you got a tattoo. You got an ear piercing. You know, they're just... A, always got these little uh, barbs or jabs towards people. James says they're not spiritually mature. They think they're religious, but they're deceiving their, themselves because he says the best indicator of your spiritual growth is whether or not you can control what you say. If how you talk to people and how you treat people isn't under control, that's a spiritual warning light. Now, my sister, I, I love my sister, Rachel. She's a great sister. Sometimes she's a little um, spacey. And so she's driving her car and a dashboard light came on. It looked like a little can with a spigot on it. And she goes, oh, that's pretty. It's a nice, you know, yellow light. And so she kept driving it. And she kept driving it for months and months. And finally, my dad was in her car one day and he goes, Rachel, what's this uh, oil light that's on? She goes, I don't know. It's pretty. And he goes, how long has it been on? Like a few days? She's like, a couple months, I think. I'm not real sure. And so he went and checked her oil. There was no oil in there. It was completely dry. And he was like, you are so lucky that your engine didn't seize up and we have to replace the entire engine. We have dashboard lights on our dash to warn us when something's wrong in the engine. And what James says is, your mouth is a spiritual dashboard warning light for your heart. And he says, if you talk bad about people, you constantly have gossip on your lips, you constantly have a criticism to people, you're constantly tearing other people down or talking about how wrong they are. He says, hey, spiritual warning light, you are not spiritually mature. You are not religious. You are lying to yourself. And so James just gives us a very simple definition for what it means to be religious, to be spiritually mature here in verse 27. He says, pure an undefiled religion before God the Father is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself unstained from the world. And so there's two parts here, right? The first part is to care for the people who can't care for themselves, to care for the helpless, to care for the hungry, to care for the hurting. You're looking for the people who are in distress and instead of saying, Hey, God bless you. I'll pray for you. You enter into their distress with them and you say, how can I take on your burden and lessen your load? And then the second half of this, to keep oneself unstained from the world, he's essentially saying, I want you to live like Jesus lived. And then in the first part, he's saying, I want you to love like Jesus loved. 
And so the definition, the, the bar that we're trying to reach is we want to live and love like Jesus. That's what it means to be spiritually mature. That's what it means to be religious. It doesn't mean that you're at every Bible study, at every church meeting, that you spend all your time in the, uh, in the building where the church meets, or that you spend all your time handing out gospel tracts, or you spend all your time just yelling at people who aren't obeying the Bible. It means that you treat people like Jesus treated people, and you enter into their pain when they're hurting, and then you live your life in a way that reflects the way that he lived his life. So what do we do with this passage? How, what do we kind of take out into our lives and into our week uh, this week? First of all, I think we need to examine how we talk to people and about people. Because that's a spiritual warning light on the dashboard of our life. Now sometimes if you're like me, you say things and you immediately forget about it. So sometimes it's good just to jot things down or even have somebody who's close to you, who spends a lot of time with you, just kind of jot down some notes throughout the day. You'll be surprised sometimes the things that you said and you didn't realize you were saying. Sometimes we ignore that dashboard light because we've just gotten so used to it being on that we don't even realize there's a problem anymore. Number two, look around your life, your family, your neighborhood, your community and say, are there people in distress? How can I step in? And help them. This week we've been highlighting many of you who took bags that we made for the homeless care packages and you've been giving them out. That's a great way to see somebody in need and not just be like, hey, God bless you, but actually try to step in. But there's other opportunities all around us, people inside our church who are hurting, people in our community and neighborhoods and workplaces who are hurting. Watch for people to say things like, I'm so overwhelmed. I don't know what I'm going to do. I wish there was a way out. All those are invitations for you to step into someone's hurt and share with them the good news of Jesus and find out how you can be involved in helping them in their distress. And then for the last one, I want us to think, um, really take some time to think about where we feel morally superior to other people. Now, when we were talking about this, we were really slamming the people who think that they're self-righteous and they're religious and they've got it all together. But our tendency then is after hearing this to think, well, I'm morally superior to them because I don't do that. And then we simply become them in reverse. So take some time to look at where you feel like you're morally superior to other people and just remind yourself, I am in need of the cross of Jesus Christ just as much as everyone else. Everyone is desperately in need of Jesus. But the good news is, there's plenty of Jesus to go around. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for your word. Lord, thank you for the challenge that what we say reveals the soul or the intent of our heart. And Lord, I pray that you will make us a people who have good news and good things to say on our lips. Lord, forgive us for when we've criticized or complained about other people. Make us a people who commend and build up others. And Lord, I pray that you will help us when we see need not to run from it, not to run to spiritual busyness, but instead jump into where people are hurting and help them. And I pray all these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.
Thanks so much for watching our last online service. After this, we're going to have weekly services each week at The Rock, 19 East Eagle Road, Havertown, PA, 19083. We'll continue to stream services online. If you'd like to give to Horizon Community Church, you can do so at our next service on April 1st, Easter, at The Rock, or you can give online at horizonphilly.com backslash give. We'd love for you to join us for our Easter service at 5 p.m. next Sunday at The Rock. After our Easter service, we're going to start a new series in April on relationships. And finally, just in case you missed it before, here's one last look at the picture of me dressed ridiculously in third grade. Have a great week.